Can we just say, mamas, if we don't, if, if we don't come see you enough, if we don't hug you enough, if we don't love on you enough, if we don't, tell, we don't talk long enough, just know that, that mama, we love you, we, wherever you're at. And sometimes kids are not really good at expressing that. Even when we're adults, we're not really good at telling moms that we love them, but we do. This week, as I just kind of search scripture uh, through the concepts of love and admiration, adoration, kindness, and uh, sacrificial love, I, I found that there was just one particular uh, category that all of this referred to. We found it was always going back to a mother's love, and I thought, that, that is so neat. Uh, I, I wish I had uh, time to talk about all of that stuff, but I just thought, isn't that something, how those things that describe Christ the most and God's love the most really is seen in our moms. Um, moms, you are not just only love, but you got to know that you're longed for. In fact, when a grown man goes through the pains of life, what does he cry for? He don't say daddy. <laughs> he says mama. In fact, I was reading about stories in World War II that uh, most letters that were written uh, home were always addressed to mom. Um, and it just, just kind of gives you a good idea about where moms really play. I think moms are so significant that we actually built it. We, we structure our language around you, mom. Did you know that? We, we make things up that make sense. And so I found a few idioms I would just like to present to you today. Uh, obviously, you know, if you were born ugly, um, then we would say that's, that's a face only a mother could love, right? If you've ever heard that before, you ugly. <laughs> when everyone shows up, we say everyone and his mama was there, right? Because if anybody's there, your mama's there. That's how it works. Uh, when, when nature's power is so great that man's ingenuity and strength can't stop it, we call it mother nature, right? Because mama's going to have her way. Uh, when it's the very best and greatest of all things, we say it's the mother of all things, right? Because there's nothing greater than mom. I know dads. We're going to have our day. We're going to have our day, but right now it's all about mama for sure. Um, and if we were in Europe a long time ago when it was time to be quiet, we would say mom's the word because I guess mom can make you quiet like nobody else could. My mom used to lead worship. And um, in the midst of worship, that's like when we're loud and expressive, there's music, and me and my best friend, we would be talking, uh, and my mom would be on the piano, completely blinded by the piano. And while I was talking, she, she would just do one of those, she'd slide over, like, how did you know, mom? You cannot hear, but mamas know, you know, they know. She said, that's my boy talking, I know it is. When we say a, a man who's in his 30s uh, got a family of his own, but he can't just get away from mama, they used to say he's tied to his mother's apron strings. You ever, who remembers that? Yeah, y'all don't want to raise your hand because you're going to reveal your age. You know that, right? Nowadays, what we say is, is when he's at home all alone, he can't get a job. We say, oh, he lives in his mama's basement, which is funny because where I'm from, we don't got basements, but y'all got basements here, you know? And so, uh, I mean, I wouldn't tell me, you know, that you live in your mama's basement because I probably won't let you live that down. Um, and so we see all of these different um, uh, idioms that just express this, that moms, you mean a whole lot to us. In fact, I read a, a job description of a, for a mom 
And I, I think I have concluded that, that motherhood, being a mom, is probably the most difficult, undervalued, and underpaid job occupation that there probably is. Motherhood is a full-time job with little to no pay, no vacations, benefits, health insurance, or retirement. The work is challenging and chaotic. Y'all just say, uh-huh, whenever you feel like the spirit of agreeance comes upon you. Uh, with frequent disruptions, extensive travel, and you'll be required to work nights and weekends without rest. Must be able to show for children to endless recitals, practices, games, pageants, school activities, and plays, dances, and tournaments without ever getting any reimbursement for expenses, food, mileage, or dry cleaning. Um, you are on, you're the on-call nurse and nanny. Expect to change diapers, clean up the after-sick children, be thrown up on, endure sleepless nights, where you will stay awake to make sure your baby can sleep, and you will stink like the pleasant hood aroma of motherhood the next day when you go to work. Have y'all ever been there before? <laughs> Sometimes, maybe. Some of y'all are like, I'm not telling anything. Applicants must possess excellent communication and organizational skills gifted in conflict resolution Willing to be hated for being a good mom until your children need something from you because most kids are only nice when they want something. Amen. Oh, y'all too good. Y'all so good. You know, y'all so good. You're so respectful. You're like, that's not you, baby. That's not you. That's not you. Must be willing to be overlooked, undervalued, underappreciated, taken for granted, ignored, criticized, and taken advantage of while keeping a kind, positive, and loving attitude, mom. Must be able to make small gadget repairs, do homework and science projects without ever calling in sick. Must be willing to handle frequent embarrassment and possess the quality of frequently biting your tongue and holding back your temper. That is a, that is a requirement. Skilled at painting, yard work, laundry, housework, cooking, maintenance, and janitorial duties. Must be flexible, patient, tolerant, loving, kind, gentle, forgiving, protective, faithful, encouraging, tolerant, always hoping for the best while being prepared for the worst. My goodness. See, guys, we, our, our, our job description is like, here's what you got to do, right? A and A.1. That's all, that's all it is. But these, <laughs> mama's got the real jobs here. No previous experience is required. On-the-job training is available on a continual and exhaustive basis, and you must expect to work hard without receiving any promotions, salary, hourly pay, dental paid holidays, pensions, or bonuses. Job satisfaction is the best you can hope for. And you will financially support the people you work for until they graduate school and become financially dependent, after which they will never repay you for anything you've done for them. <laughs> and in fact, when you die, they will expect you to give them everything else that is left. <laughs> oh, the honor of being a mom. And the strangest thing about this job is that you will grow to love and value it. It is the happiest days of your life. And if you ever lose even one of the people that you've worked so hard for, it'll be the saddest day of your life. Wow. What a hard job it is to be a mom. And that's why when the enemy tells you you're not good enough, you let him know that he's a liar. Because you are great. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. Thank you, Lord, for our mothers. That we do. Lord, I pray today that um, I just, I just want to say, I want to pray a prayer of thanksgiving, Lord. 
I know, God, that every good and perfect gift comes from the Father alone. And I thank you, Lord, for the gift of mothers. God, that's exactly what they are. Lord, I thank you for their patience. I thank you for their love and their kindness. I thank you, Lord, that they are the example, Lord, that, that this is what unconditional love looks like. God, that they are willing to forgive and to believe and to have confidence and trust in, Lord, that all that comes from you. We ask God today um, that you would help us, Lord, to bless our moms and, and, to, and to speak into their world. God, give us words to form, God, their understanding and their value, Lord, of how much we need them in our life, Lord. If they, they've always believed in us, God. They always forgive us, God, every time we've made mistakes. God, there is no one like our mother. And we thank you because, Lord, it was your design. It's how you made things to be. And so we appreciate that gift that is so very special to us. And we ask them, oh, Father, would you bless our moms today? We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Can I tell you that being a mom, obviously, is not easy. In our world today, our world today wants to redefine what motherhood looks like. It's crazy because as, as, as tough as that job is, what we see is that culture wants to redefine what motherhood looks like. And that creates some complexity and some problems. Um, I don't know about you, but when I, when I would build stuff with the kids, you know, whether we had uh, Legos or Lincoln Logs or whatever it was, for me, I always had to look at the picture. I don't want to read any manuals, you know, I want to look at the picture. If I look at the picture, I know what I'm building, right? But when they were just like, when my kids would lose the box, you know, and... And they're like, Dad, let's play. And all we had was the bin that we store stuff in. Like, what do you want to make? I want to make this whatever it is. And I had no clue. I'm just, just guessing, right? And I got, it just looks messed up. Because you need a picture to look at. It's important for us to see. And the world is so busy trying to redefine motherhood so that when everyone feels good about it, that they've really made the job of being a mom even harder. Because they've twisted it and manipulated it so that way everyone can choose motherhood, but can I tell you that not everyone can choose motherhood. It's just not, that's just not something that is available to them. In fact, they've tried to demean it uh, as of recently just to call people birthing persons. I'm thinking birthing persons. That's so incredibly foreign to me. And can I tell you, there's a principle in this that we just can't, we can't just demean our, our mothers to birthing persons. They're more than just baby factories. You remember the story when Jesus went to his hometown and when he got there, it says he didn't do many miracles. You know why? Because they didn't honor him as the Messiah. They just saw him as a carpenter's son. And can I tell you that if we don't see our moms the way God sees moms, that we will demean their ability and their impact in our life. They are not baby factories. They are mothers. They are to be revered and honored. Motherhood is not just something that uh, we choose lightly. Um, in fact, if we look at being a birth mother, is even outside of your control because it's only the Lord who gives life. In fact, when the word says that women conceive, it's because the Lord granted life and they grasp that word conceive means grasp or attained. And so, so motherhood is not something that we can just all choose. The Lord decides. And, and there's not just birthing mothers, but even, even the grace and the love and the patience and the kindness that moms who adopt children have to have is incredible as well. It's hard to 
claim somebody else's kid and love them like you're like, like they're your own. That's a huge thing. And so I believe that that is something the Lord supernaturally imparts into people. I want you to know today is that the enemy, as we talk about what the modelhood, what what does it look like to be a, a godly mom? Because today we're trying to show you the picture before we build with logos. Before we, before we do anything else in understanding on what your job is or what God has asked you to be as a mom, I want you to know that the enemy wants to lie to you. And as we roll through the word today, here's what he's going to say to you. Be mindful of it. He's going to say, as we look at Mary's life, that was Jesus' mother. She was perfect in motherhood. No, she wasn't. It's possible for you to be like she is. He might say, you've already failed at, at being a mother. Why try now? He might say, motherhood is not that simple. There's more required of you. And he might say, you didn't even have a mother, so how in the world can you get it right? But let me just tell you and remind you that Satan's natural tongue is lying. It, that, that's, when you hear those words to tear you down, that is not my Jesus. That is, that is not the Son of God. That is not the Father's heart. So for, so for all those things that come to your mind to tear you down, no, that is the enemy's tongue speaking to you. And that he has no right over you. But most importantly, he speaks to you in such a way to remind you of the failures because he knows your gift. And your gift is this, mom, is that you are a lover. That you love hard. You love sacrificially. And he knows that's your strength. Did you know that love is a, is a perfecter? That love perfects things? It is the quality of a mom whose love wants her child to be in a perfect world. They may not have a perfect child, but she's not concerned with that. She wants the world, she wants their experience to be perfect. Her love is constantly perfecting her life, and here's what Satan does. Satan will have you overlook all your successes and focus on your one failure. But if I can remind you that even Jesus has to step over the 99 and deal with the failure of the one. So don't ever feel like you got to be perfect in being a perfect mom. God didn't call you to be a perfect mom. He called you to love those kids unconditionally, and that's what you're supposed to do. So here's what I want you to see today. Motherhood can be simplified through the lenses of sacrifice, discipleship, discernment, and dedication. I didn't say made easy, but we can bring clarity to it. Motherhood is not perfectionism. Motherhood is rooted and grounded in love. Motherhood is sacrificial love on display, and motherhood is the ability to see greatness in its infancy. Motherhood is the ability to endure the hardest of times for hope in the greatest of moments. That's what motherhood is. So we begin to look at this morning at motherhood in the book of, of Luke. Read with me, Luke chapter 1, verse 30 through 38. We're going to look at several instances of Mary's life with Jesus when he was at the cross, when uh, at the wedding of Canaan, uh, of Canaan uh, and then also at the visitation and in the temple. And so Luke chapter 1, verse uh, 30 through 38 says this, And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son. And you shall call his name Jesus, and he will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How would this be, <laughs> since I am a virgin? Uh, there's a problem here, Lord. Uh, and the angel said her, to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the children to be born will be called holy, 
the child be born, we call it holy, the son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, behold, now this is the great response I want to pay attention to. Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. The first thing Mary teaches us is this, that godly moms always put God's will above their own. Godly moms always put God's will above their own. That's not an easy thing. Can I just tell you right off, uh, as we look, I won't take time to read this, but as we look in uh, Luke chapter 1 through 46 and 55, there's this prayer here. And she starts off like this, my soul magnifies the Lord. And she goes on and she thanks God for all of this brand new assignment because she was ready to get married. And all of a sudden now she's a mama on the way. And she's thinking, okay, I could just stay in this moment and be disappointed because all of my hopes and plans and dreams were here. But now I have a greater call in life. I want you to know that for Mary, motherhood was not an intrusion. Sometimes it feels that way if you're not ready. Motherhood was not a stigma uh, to be shunned. It was a responsi- or a responsibility to rebel against uh, or a fearful invasion of the body snatchers for, for Mary. But her response was neither this, to run down to Planned Parenthood and to undo the thing that God had done. Rather, she worshiped and she rejoiced. What we don't see in Luca's account is simply this, that she was in the latter stages of being married that there was a major sacrifice in Larry, in Larry, in Mary. Some of the churches that might preach, but not this one. In Mary, uh, her response was simply, Lord, I'll do whatever you ask me to do. But I want you to know that there's, there's a sacrifice. See, she was, if you understand Jewish weddings, that Jewish weddings were a big deal. People waited their whole lives for this three but typically it was a seven-day festival not only that but the parents and the family this was a huge thing that the community was involved in and when someone was married uh secretly it brought a lot of suspect especially when you start counting up anniversaries and birthdays of your kid and you go oh y'all know y'all been there before y'all count like oh okay i know when you got married by the same time you had that kid and so Here, Mary is dealing with this disgrace that she might bring to her family, to herself, to Joseph and his family. Can I tell you that she would not be able to celebrate her betrothal? She would not get to take up the elements of the joy and the procession the night before, the marriage supper, uh, the dance. All these marital elements were gone. All the festivities, all of the joy was gone. Why? Because you got to do the will of God. You got to think that she was, she was in a great deal of sacrifice here. What God asked of Mary disrupted everything her plans, her desires, her reputation, her dreams. But God wasn't just asking Mary just to give birth to a child, He was asking, he was asking her to give her life to raise a child. You see, but ladies, you are part of God's incredible, enormous plan for mankind. That, that what God has called you and gifted you the ability to do is, is, is humongous when we look at God's plan of salvation for us. 
I would tell you this, that for a, for a, a, a woman, if, if, if God has given you the ability to have a, a child, God has called you to a place of motherhood, which is your greatest calling on earth. Everything else you will accomplish will fade away, but those babies you leave behind will speak of you forever. You need to know that as a mother, you are the child's first teacher, first influencer, first glimpse at the loving heart of God. You're the first love, first kiss, first fan, first smile, first encourager, first follower, and the first fingerprints you put in your baby's clay. You're the first in so many ways. And so when we look at what you do and what God's asked you to do, it's, it's enormous because God says concerning man, 1 Corinthians eleven seven, he says this, for a man ought not to cover his head since he is, man is the image and glory of God. If man is the image and glory of God, Genesis chapter 1 through 3 talks about your role in multiplying and producing the glory of God throughout the whole earth. That ladies, as a mom, what you're doing is multiplying and magnifying the glory of God on the earth. That is massive. That is huge. Don't take that lightly. So what we see here is that motherhood was God's plan to fulfill um, to fill God's earth with his glory. And I would say also that God's elaborate plan to populate the earth with his glory begins with your obedience to him. If we look at Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, he says, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring, and he shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. The first and greatest prophecy ever made in all of scripture encompass motherhood. That who you are and what you do was first spoken of in a great and marvelous way in Genesis. And so what I want you to know today is that when the Lord calls you to be a mom, he's called you to, to, to have sacrifice. And you do that. Well, I don't know anybody else in my life that is as sacrificial as my mom. My mom has, has done so much for me. And not, not just in prayers. In fact, my mom sacrificed her reputation uh, about herself in terms of how I saw her for my betterment. She didn't care how I felt. She didn't care if I loved her, if I, if I respected her or not. Mom always sacrificed whatever is needed because she knew that Scott Brandon needed a woman uh, who would love him beyond his deficits and his deficiencies. And I thank God for a mom who would sacrifice like that. I want you to know, Mama, that, that God has chosen you to raise children for him. The second thing is this, is that we see in Mary's life is discipleship. First is sacrifice, and second is discipleship. That godly moms develop in their children a sensitivity to God's call upon their lives fairly from an early age. Look with me to Luke chapter 2, verse 41 through 49. It says, Now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover, and when he was 12 years old, they went up according to custom. And when the feast was ended... As they were returning, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, and his parents did not know it. That's mom of the year right there. But supposing him to be in the group, they, wanted, they went a day's journey. But then began to search for him among the relatives and acquaintances. And when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem searching for him after three days. I'm telling you, this is, Mary was perfect, right? She was good. They found him in the temple sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. And when his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, son, why have you treated us so? 
Behold, your father and I have been searching for you in great distress. And he said to them, why were you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? Let me touch on two things here. Mary was not perfect. Mama, it's okay not to be perfect. In fact, if we're going to compare our lives to Mary, can I just remind you that if I lost my kids for three days, I might be thrown in jail for neglect, right? I mean, that's a, we're talking about three days. You can't find your kid for three days. Did you, here's the crazy thing, right? The father in heaven knew that when he picked Mary, he says, I want this woman because she will lose my son for, how do you go to prayer the next day? Lord, I lost your son. You know, like, what can you pray? You know, when you lost the most precious thing in the whole earth, <laughs> you lost your son. Notice this. It says, supposing to be in the group. How do you suppose that your child's in the group? Didn't Mary read that book? It's not what you expect. It's what you inspect. How in the world do you not know where your child is at this given moment? Have y'all ever lost your baby in Walmart before? Not, man. Yes, thank you. Thank you. Uh, dads, have you ever lost your kids? Y'all don't want to admit it. Y'all don't want to. Thank you, Paul. I know it. And listen, I'm, and it's a heartbreaking. When I lost my kid, here's, here's the first thing I thought. Julie will murder me if I don't find this child. I'm not worried about the kid. We can make another one of those. But I know, I know if I don't find this child, <laughs> number one or number two, I'm dead, you know. I'm thinking I'm not the parent of the year by any means. You have to know that Mary was thinking, am I even qualified to do this? And then it says they went a day's journey. How in the world did you go a whole day? You remember Home Alone? Right? Kevin! You know what I mean? Like, where, she gets the epiphany, oh, where's my child at? And so I'm thinking here is that even Kevin's mom on Home Alone didn't go the whole day. I mean, she got in the plane and then thought about it. But Mary is like, she's just chatting. Oh, it's okay. And then about a day into it, I wonder where Jesus is. <laughs> what are you talking about? A whole day. I imagine when she, she had that, that Jesus moment. Joseph's like, hey, hey, we don't take the Lord's name in vain around here, right? Don't, don't be saying stuff. And so Mary was not a perfect mother, but here's what she was. She was a practicing mother. She practiced that love. I want you to notice how the scripture points out the boy's age. It was 12 because at the age of 13 in, in Jewish culture, that 13-year-old, he began to learn on his own and began to, he could vote. He could uh, be in the court as a reputable uh, witness. He could own property. He was a fully adult man at the age of 13. Some of y'all mamas are like, okay, boy, you know what that means. You're going to clean and cook. You're going to do it all by yourself. You're a grown man. But at the age of 12... Whatever knowledge that a boy possessed spoke of his parenting, spoke of his upbringing. And what we see here is that in Scripture, all throughout Scripture, Proverbs 1.8 says this, Hear, my son, your father's instruction, and forsake not your mother's teaching. Proverbs 31.1 says this, The Lord's of King Lemuel, an oracle, that is a word from the Lord that has, that has his mother taught him. Song of Solomon says, 8 verse 2, I would lead you and bring you in the house of my mother who used to teach me. And in fact, scripture is replete with all of these instances where mama is teaching the kids. And so this says a lot about Jesus at the age of 12 where he's in there. And I, I don't know when Jesus is 
you know, uh, divinity where he begins to learn and comprehend and have more. I know that in terms of scripture, what we see is, is that his anointing from the Holy Spirit didn't rest upon him until he came into ministry. So we are to assume that he is not omniscient, doesn't know everything. So at the age of 12, here's what I'm proposing to you is that everything that Jesus knew at the age of 12 that, that marveled the, the theologians and the rabbis and the teachers of the day came from, from mama. Mama, can I tell you that you are the first discipler, that, that it's your job to raise those kids, to love on those kids, and I'll tell you what, that there's, a, there's a quality in you that makes, makes our heart as a child open to mama, that we trust what you say. That's why your, your imprints are so deep in our clay. Oh, that we would raise like Mary our children to understand who they are in God. That God has a plan that is bigger than any other plan that we can make. Uh, and that they are to be about their father's business. The third thing that we see in Mary demonstrating is discernment. We talked about this last week and the importance of discernment and how, how important it really is in our life. That, the, that discernment is the ability to see things the way God sees things. Look with me at one of the, the two times that Mary is mentioned in the book of John. John chapter 2, verse 1 through 5, he says, On the third day there was a wedding at Cana in Galilee. And the mother of Jesus was there, and Jesus was also invited to the wedding with his disciples. And when the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus uh, said to him, They have no wine. And Jesus said to her, woman, what does that have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. My mother said to, uh, then his mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you to do. Now, I, I love this because uh, even, even when Jesus heard, even when Mary heard Jesus' response, she was like, yeah, yeah, don't listen to him. You just do whatever, well, don't, don't listen to his response that he's not going to. You just wait. See, I'm his mama. I know how, I know how much potential's in him before he even knew it. And so that's what I see in mamas here, is that mamas do just that. Godly moms know their children's full potential and use their influence to help them reach it. I, I, and I see this story, what I see is this, is that Mary is probably, she's, it's a family member, no, for sure the theologians agree with that. The scholars talk about how she was there and she was probably in charge of making sure the wine was going out. This was probably day seven. And as the wine went out, people brought expensive gifts in marriage. And so what is happening is they expect wine all day long. And since wine is expensive, it's always the cheap wine that comes out last. But this was the best wine. And so here Jesus is being asked to help Mary out because Mary knows, Jesus, this is your family too. This is our family. So I need you to do something. He says, Mom. Don't rush me. <laughs> this is not my time. Mom, I'm not ready. Mom, this is not my moment. Mom, I don't know if I can. Mom, I'm not sure. Mom, how will they receive me? I'm so thankful for mamas that say, listen to me. I don't care what those kids say at school. I don't care what your wife said. <laughs> I don't care what your kids said. I don't care how you feel. I don't care what you went through in life. Your mama knows who you are. Your mama knows who you are. And mamas will do everything they can to make sure their kids reach their potential. That's what godly moms do. Not that they make their kids perfect or, or the environment perfect, but they do whatever they can to create an environment for them to be who they were called to be, it, regardless of how uh, we feel. Listen to me, kids. Your mom can see your purpose long before you can. They know who you are. When you say, oh, mom, just be a mom, No. Uh, well, yes, she is being a mom. A absolutely. Your moms know your value and they know your worth. And you need to hang in there with them. Can I say the last thing is this. 
that Mary teaches us about motherhood is unrivaled dedication. And I will say that godly moms go with you through life's most difficult moments. When we look at Jesus and he's on the cross, everyone comes and they see who he is and they're saying, yep, this is, he's exactly who we thought we would be, a disappointment. He said he was king of the Jews and he's not. Mary is there and she still believes. She was assigned to him to raise him. And the whole time she knew who he was, even before he was born. And even after his death, she still believed that he was the son of God, even though he was not living. Mama's had this ability to go with you through the toughest aspects of life. Can I tell you that at the foot of the cross in Jesus' darkest hour on earth and uh, his closest uh, friends and his mother refused to leave him. And the reason is, is because moms understand their assignment to their kids. That, that it's not done until they leave this earth or it's not done until you leave this earth. But mamas had this assignment to us because they understand what dedication is. That they'll be there until the very end. Mamas are valley walkers. They'll go, they'll go with us to the, the, the worst times in our life. Can I tell you that when I was, when I had made mistakes in my life and I was sitting there and I was in jail. And I, 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 the first thing I thought was this is that what is my mama thinking about right now? And when I saw my mom and I looked at her, she just, in this way, in a way that only moms do, she looked at me and her face was this. It's all right. I forgive you. And can I tell you that all of that guilt that I had in my life, that I knew I had messed up, somehow in my mom's look, in her eyes, when she looked at me, she told me these words, without using her mouth, but I knew it when I looked at her, it was these words, I still believe in you. I still know you're able. Kids, can I tell you that no matter what you go through in life, Jesus will be there for you, and a loving mom who loves her kids and loves God will be there for you because they believe in you, they know your purpose in you, and they are dedicated to the very end. As I close today and the worship team comes back up, I just want to do something different. Um, this afternoon before we're dismissed. I want to pray for you guys. I want to pray for you ladies. Um, and and I, I, just, I want to just encourage you in these ways that the world does create some complexity in your role and your assignment here on life. But just know this, that the ability to love that is inside of you is supernatural. It's not in us guys. We don't love easily. In fact, I, I found that many times with my girls when I was a, I was not a really good first year daddy. You know, like that was a hard time for me. Um, I thought, Lord, I don't know how I can love and hate something equally at the same time. Uh, but Julie was always just like, let me, let me have that baby. You know, let me take care of that baby. And I'm thinking, oh, this is not, I don't know how people do this. You know, I just don't understand it. Uh, you're supposed to be asleep right now uh, and don't ever wake up again, you know. Uh, and so, so we're not, guys don't have that, but, but, but women, you, the Lord has given you this supernatural ability to love. That love doesn't just transfer in terms of taking care of our daily needs. That love that you have really is an eternal thing that one day, I know, we'll be, to he we'll be in heaven and we'll look back and say, because of the love of the Father, through the Son, through the Mom, I'm here. How many sons are in heaven because moms love, because they persisted. And you know what? Not all, not all kids choose Christ. But your faithful love through it all is what matters.
that when you get to heaven, you'll look back and say, Lord, I did my assignment. And can I say today that if you feel like you're struggling in your worth, you feel like you're struggling in your assignment, I want you to know that the Lord is still able to work through you no matter at what age. That there is still a clear role for you. There's still a clear picture for you. You don't have to be overwhelmed. You don't have to submit to the culture of this world. You don't have to submit to the complexities of this world. Motherhood has been pure all the way through Mary's day to our day. If we follow these same examples, your assignment is still very clear. Difficult. Not easy. But it's clear. And I don't know about you, but no matter how hard the job might be, as long as I know it's clear, I'm game for it. And I pray today that the Lord would remind you, I've given you everything you need. I've given you the tools to accomplish what I need you to accomplish. And know that your work is a respected work, a revered work, an honored work. And so today we just don't celebrate moms in general, but I celebrate moms who love their kids like Christ loved their kids. And so today, as I close, can I just do something? Here's what I want to do. Um, if, you, if your mom is close to you, or you're not close to your mom, will you just kind of rally around your mom? We want to pray over mom today. And, and, and I shared this with my team members, my, uh, the team members today, um, that I had a friend who posted on Facebook, and he said, moms, what do you struggle with the most? And he's, there's about 70 comments, basically. And almost all of them said this. We struggle with failure. We struggle with not being good enough. And can we pray this way? That we would pray over the minds of our mothers. That, that no lie of the enemy would penetrate their mind. And that they would know that they are loved, valued, and appreciated. That they show us the first impression of Christ. And so today, if you're close by, I'm going to pray and lead you in prayer. But if you can move next to your mom, lay hands on your mom. Or if you're, your mom's not here today, feel free to find a mom and an adopter. She would love to be loved by you and pray with me. Lord, I love you. I thank you for your gift in these mothers. God, I ask today, Lord, that you would, you would wrap, Lord, your hand and your love, God, around their minds and their hearts and their spirits, Lord. This enemy, God, this world, God, would seek to demean and diminish their role. But, oh, God, the role you gave them is incredibly huge. God, that no man could fill that role. You made it specifically for mamas, Lord. Not just for mamas, God, who gave birth, but, Lord, those who adopted. Even spiritual mothers, Lord, you have led them to, to love beyond their means, God. To give beyond their means. And God, I ask today that you would feel them, Lord. The day's challenges are heavy, God. Moms know no days off. God, their work ethic, God, is endless, Lord. God, their, their, their job, God, is without rest, Lord. And so I pray, God, supernaturally, Lord, will you restore the mothers today? God, will you speak that worth and confidence and encouragement, God, and remind them, God, that you have a crown for them, that you have a cup for them to pour out into their life and to celebrate them like nobody else, Lord. We love you, God, and we ask that you'd be with them today. Father, in Jesus' name, we pray. Amen, amen, amen. Mamas, thank you very much. Can we give a round of applause one more time for mamas today?